Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Thank you. Genesis chapter 41 is where we will open our Bibles this morning as we go through this sermon series, Dare to Dream. Uh, we have been looking at the life of Joseph. We've been looking at uh, how that can apply to us, and we've walked through how Joseph started out as daddy's uh, favorite, right? But he was sold into slavery through the jealousy of his brothers. He rose to the leader of Potiphar, his master's household, but then falsely accused and thrown into jail. He correctly interpreted a dream, but then he was forgotten. And that's where we find Joseph today. Uh, let's begin in a word of prayer, and we'll dive into the story in Genesis chapter 41. Father, we are incredibly grateful to be here, to have the freedom to meet together to worship and honor you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to mold our hearts so that we can give fully to you. Take our lives, and as a potter would, I pray that you'll mold us. I pray that your word will do just that, as well as your spirit, especially as we meet right now and, and study. We pray that you'll just open our hearts and our minds to the truth in your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the cupbearer indeed forgot Joseph for two full years. Now, Joseph was a warden, uh, was a servant of the warden's household. And he also had to look after all of the prisoners there at the, jo uh, at the jail. And while all that was going on for two years, about two years later, Pharaoh had a dream, and it was I think the weirdest dream that we've studied so far. There were seven cows that came out of the Nile River, and they were good cows. I mean, fat, good-looking cows grazing on the grass there by the Nile. But then seven ugly cows. They were skinny, barely had any meat on their bones. They then came out of the water, and they ate the seven fat cows, and Pharaoh woke up. Somehow, he was able to fall back asleep, and this time he had a second dream. In this dream, there was one single stalk, and on that stalk had seven heads of grain, and those heads of grain were healthy and good, ready for harvest. But then seven other heads appeared. They weren't good. They were thin. They were kind of scorched by the wind. And those seven thin, ugly, scorched grain gobbled up the seven good and healthy grains. Pharaoh woke up again. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt and had people at his disposal. And he wanted to know the interpretation of this dream. He called in wise men from throughout the land. He called in magicians throughout the land. And, and no one, no one could interpret this dream. The text doesn't tell us this. 
But I picture Pharaoh obsessed and telling anyone who would listen to his heart. We've got this dream. I, you guys got to hear. You got to hear this dream. And would tell anyone. It's kind of like seven weeks ago when I hurt my elbow. Anybody tired of me talking about my elbow? For seven weeks, I've constantly been telling anyone who will listen about my elbow. Why? It bothers me, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how I can get to feeling better. I tell you this story, and strangers this story, because it's heavy. Right? And here Pharaoh is, anyone who will listen at this point. I don't care if you're the cupbearer. I'm going to tell you this story. And that's what he does. We're told in the text that the cupbearer was incredibly embarrassed. He said, hey, Pharaoh, I don't want to bring this up, but remember when you got really, really mad at me and the baker? Do you remember the baker? And he begins to tell the Pharaoh about he, he and the baker had these dreams And there was this young Hebrew by the name of Joseph who interpreted their dreams. He interpreted that the cupbearer would be reinstated and that the baker would be hung. And he said, I mean, do you kind of remember hanging the baker? Because his dream was interpreted that way. And so Pharaoh, without without even missing a beat, calls for Joseph to be shaved and bathed. Look at verse 15 with me. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And, and Joseph replied in the weirdest way, not necessarily a way I would have replied, but he said, I can't do it. But God can. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. If you step into my kitchen, I deep down, I'm going to be honest with you, I deep down in my heart want you to tell me how good my kitchen looks like. All right? I want you to praise me for how good my kitchen looks. You know why? Because over five years ago, when we had to gut that kitchen, I had to rebuild everything. I'd laid the, the tile. I'd put the, the cabinets in myself. That's what I want you to say. But the reality is I didn't do it myself. I had Jeff Womble there. I had Jeff Offshack there. You guys remember Jonathan Absher, Ryan Chrisman, Don Boyd came out. These folks took their time to help me rebuild it. So for me to take complete credit for it would be, well, not fair. Even though internally, I want to take credit for it. And I wonder about Joseph here. I wonder how long he paused. Or did he have a pure heart? Oh, I can interpret dreams. I interpreted my own dream. I interpreted the the baker's dream. I interpreted the cupbearer's brain. I am the dream interpreter, Pharaoh, right? Here's his chance. 
Here's his chance to praise his own ability and to jump out of slavery. I can hear it. I ain't going back to jail now. He done shaved me. He done bathed me. I'm ready to get out of jail. Listen, Pharaoh, I am the dream interpreter. But not Joseph, no. He says, I can't do it. But God will give you, God will give you the interpretation you desire. Joseph recognized the source of his power was not inside of him, but it was heavenly. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he says not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, he says, come from God. Joseph understood this New Testament principle, that the power came not from himself, but from his God. And think about the risk. Think about the risk. Pharaoh could have scoffed at him and sent him right back to jail. He had his own gods. Can you imagine? Here he stands in a foreign country full of foreign gods. You are a prisoner. You're you're quite possibly the only Hebrew he's ever met face to face. Possibly. Kenneth Bailey tells a story of uh, teaching some short courses at a Lutheran church of Latvia. And while he was there, he observed the interviewing of prospective students, inquired of the interviews when they questioned. They would say, the most important question is, when were you baptized? And they asked that question because if they were baptized during the period of Soviet rule, that meant that they risked their lives and compromised their futures by being baptized. But if they were baptized after liberation from the Soviets, we have many further questions to ask about why they want to become a pastor. And then he writes, the master challenges his servants to live boldly and publicly as his servants, using his resources and unafraid, unafraid, unafraid confident, bold. Romans 1.16, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospels, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone and anyone, right? Joseph came with boldness about his God. He could have taken credit. He chose to give it to God. He could have left God out of it and risked the consequences that could have come along with that, but he doesn't. He boldly proclaims who God is. And so Joseph tells him the interpretation of the dreams. There would be seven years of plenty. There were seven big, fat, healthy cows. Seven years of plenty. There were seven stalks of grain that was good and healthy. There will be seven years of bountiful harvest, Joseph says. But following that will come seven years of famine. Those thin, thin cows will swallow up all the bounty you harvested. Those thin stalks, those thin grain, heads of grain will gobble up the good, healthy 
grain, right? And the reason Pharaoh received two dreams is because the matter has been firmly decided by God. And he goes on in verse 33. He doesn't stop there. This has been firmly decided by God, and Joseph goes on with more boldness. He said, now, now Pharaoh, this is what you should do. You should look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt, he says. Let the Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all that food from the good years that are coming and store them up, store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will become upon Egypt so that the country will not be ruined, gobbled up by the famine. And then we're told that the plan seemed good to Pharaoh. And so he looked at all of his officials and said this, can we find anyone like this man of whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one who is discerning and wise as you. You will be put in charge of my palace, and of all my people, they're going to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. Now Joseph has fought the temptation of taking credit for becoming a dream teller. He's proclaiming who his God is and how he can interpret the dreams. And now Pharaoh sees the wisdom that God has given Joseph to not only interpret the dreams, but give a plan and action to save all of Egypt. There's wisdom in his words. You guys may not know this, but last week, an angel appeared at Johnson University in a faculty meeting. And the angel looked over the faculty and, and told them, if in return for your unselfish and great behavior for this university, the Lord will reward each of you with your choice of wealth, wisdom, or beauty. And it was our own Carl Bridges. He hobbled up with his one leg, and spoke before anyone else could and said, give me wisdom. And the angel looked at Carl and said, it's done. So now all the heads in the room, talking Dr. Weatherly, we're talking Dr. Smith, even Dr. Eubanks was in the room. And they looked at Carl and he had this halo over his head and they said, Dr. Bridges, tell us, tell us some wisdom. And with the poise of Socrates, Carl said, I should have taken the money. <laughs> Pharaoh is elated. He's excited about the wisdom that Joseph could add to the interpretation. Joseph fought off that temptation of arrogance. He boldly proclaimed who God was and now with wisdom presents the plan to save all of Egypt. Joseph has gone from the rags of a servant 
to the presentable clothes of a prisoner. And now let's read how Pharaoh clothes him. Genesis 41, verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And he took his signet ring from his finger, and he put that on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride a chariot as his second in command, and the men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in all of Egypt. And so Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name, gave him a wife, and Joseph went throughout all of the land of Egypt. At the age of 30 years old, Joseph became vice president of Egypt, right? As you read on, you'll learn that Joseph would, in fact, travel all of Egypt for the next seven years, collecting and storing grain for the upcoming years of famine. How difficult would that have been for the people of Egypt? You've made so much. You've harvested so much. And then you've got to put it in this grain because Pharaoh, this, this silo, because Pharaoh had a dream, right? This is some kind of rags to riches story. It's like a made for TV special. It's a major motion film. That could never happen to me. That could never happen to you, right? I think one of the appeals of a story is the idea of us putting ourselves in the shoes of the hero. Wouldn't you love to be in those shoes? I mean, the, the jail time, that's no fun. That's no bueno, right? But the rags to riches, the fighting your way to the top, the saving the day, the truth is, that's appealing, right? And the truth is, you can be. The only, the riches aren't worldly, but they're heavenly. The fight is not physical, it's spiritual. And it's not Egypt that needs to be saved, it's your neighbor. And Joseph, Joseph identified the source of his power he humbly and boldly offered his service in the name of God. And at the end of the day, he put his trust in the God who would make it happen. Your coworker is hospitalized. Maybe you go and visit. Make a meal for the family. I mean, is a, making a meal powerful? If you've ever been the receiving end of a meal and timely meal it's powerful when you don't feel like breathing let alone feeding your kids it's it's powerful it's when you notice your neighbor hasn't cut their lawn in a while instead of calling the city <laughs> instead of knocking on the door and complaining maybe you check on them find out maybe they broke their leg and you cut the lawn for free cutting the lawn that's not that's not powerful Unless you've been in the shoes and needed that. 
Maybe it's when your classmate misses class again. And you pick up the phone and call to check on them. And instead of settling for fine, you dig deeper and you're on the phone for an hour. Being on the phone for an hour, that's not powerful, right? Unless you needed it. You never needed that hour-long conversation. You don't understand how powerful it is. The, the point I'm trying to make is that, that God's not asking you to save Egypt. He's not. He's asking you to open your eyes to what's happening around you. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your classmate. Maybe it's someone in your own family. God is trying to speak to you to say, I'm giving you the power you need. So be a hero. Open your eyes and be a hero every day. I think that's what God has called us to do. I believe that's what God has called us to be. Joseph fought off the temptation of being arrogant, but boldly proclaimed that God is able and with wisdom discerned how he could be helpful in the moment. I think we can translate that into our own lives. So let's do it. Father God, uh, we come before you this evening with hearts that are open to your leadership. And my prayer is that you will, in fact, guide and lead each one of us, open our eyes to those opportunities where we can serve you, that we can be your hands and feet, that we can, with your power, serve in powerful ways. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.